Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the student of the game. I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game. And hey, listen, if you are here, chances are you like talking about sport. And of course, we are as always glad to have you join us here. If you are happening to do so through the Huddle of Podcast YouTube channel, that would be great. That's where you can see the live stream. You can also see it on the various social medias, uh, the Student of the Game Facebook page, uh, the SOTG on Twitter and Twitch. You can also check us out on A7BN Sports Facebook page and all the other places. By the way, you can do so on demand if you're inclined to check out the podcast, Spotify, Apple, Anywhere you consume your podcast should be a great time for you all the way around. An honor, joy, and privilege to jump in again. But yes, listen, I have to, so it's funny. I I I released the other day um a couple of reels, and one of them was talking about there was a lot of talk last week in general about the versatility of the running back position. Um and there was some other, you know, I dropped stuff during the week. For I want the things, you know, from the show the, that I talk about and that I want people to have kind of a deeper discussion about out in the social medias, which, by the way, please feel free to engage. I have fun with that. And, hey, I learned a couple things or two. But I, I think th- there's a particular piece that got me rolling in that conversation about uh, versatility. And the conversation I had last week, not only with Danielle Orsino of the Moving the Change podcast, but also Brandon Howard of the athletic and that's surrounding the versatility of running backs in the NFL, such as, as, as they are in this date and time. Right. I, I, I think the best way to kind of watch franchises adjust for what they're doing with their offenses or where they are in the process is to look at sort of what they're doing with the running back position. But Kyle, what do you mean by that? Great question. Let me tell you where I'm going. I don't think you'll ever see a big name what running back in Kansas City anytime soon, so so long as Patrick LeVon Mahomes II is the quarterback, right? Because the money saved by not getting a big name running back is meant to keep the Travis Michael Kelsey's in the building, money put towards, you know, uh, offensive line, money put towards of course, Patrick LeVon Mahomes II is himself, et cetera, et cetera. I don't say receivers so much with the Chiefs because there's been so much movement there, and generally their cap stuff is strange when it comes to the wide receiver core. And, of course, they've made some defensive deals, you know, of late too. Um, you know, they gave they gave uh, uh, Frank Clark a lot of money. Of course, now he's not there anymore, but that's a whole other question. Um, I th- th- The... Theory I'm kind of playing with in my head, and please feel free to weigh in um, as you see this, be it live or, you know, uh, on demand out there, whatever. But I'm starting with all the conversation we had about running backs being versatile and their one problem being the length of their career, right? That That's really the main thing that holds the value of running backs down in this day and age defenders have gotten bigger defenders have gotten faster the defenders have 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 created a world where they can deliver more punishment than ever before and offensive linemen by the way their talent is on a steady decline at least amongst the younger players right the lack of full contact practice 
it's been said in theories from various people out, out in the sports public that used to play that the lack of padded practice for offensive linemen in particular gives them less opportunity to have great technique as quickly coming up from college. Now, that's not universally true, but generally speaking as, as a number, right? There's nothing that could really train you as an offensive lineman when you're doing it in shorts. And I, I listen, I can account for that for a little bit myself. It's one thing to know where you're going in a play and sprinting out there and getting out there and make sure you can beat a spot before the linebacker does. It's completely another to work on hand fighting in the trenches. And there's nothing unique uh, that uniquely challenges an offensive lineman, like physically moving another human being against his will and doing that in shorts ain't going to do it like when you're in full pads and trying to do battle, right? That, that's a whole new thing. So better defenders that are delivering more punishment with offensive linemen that are trending kind of downward or taking longer to develop to be elite. In other words, they're the, the pool of potential talented offensive linemen would theoretically be smaller because they're taking longer to develop, et cetera, et cetera. So, Maybe that's what's led to the decline of the workhorse back such that it is, you know, you you can't really rely on guys. So then you're looking to the pass game to kind of reduce that load and come to find out, you know, it's almost kind of like the three-point shot in the NBA that passing the ball is more efficient. Well, we knew that already, but getting somebody who could do it prolifically is another story. Re- receivers can go over in the middle in a way that they never could before, and, and that's completely, um, you know, hamstring defenses in a lot of cases because safeties have to know how to tackle in addition to deliver punishment. Same thing for linebackers too, right? So I say all that to say this. Maybe the best way to help an offense is to get a versatile running back, right? And just think of the examples. I know, Kyle, you're crazy. Mikey Byrne told you, you don't need a running back for a championship. I'm not necessarily telling you It's for a championship, although we'll touch on that a little bit later. If you have a team that doesn't have a franchise quarterback currently, right, or at least has one who hasn't blossomed yet, one might be inclined to give him a versatile weapon at the running back position, right? Just look at um, the Falcons drafting the way they did, for example. Everybody else thought they should go a different direction, but they got a running back who's just an athlete in every sense of the word and as another embarrassment of riches at the skill position spot, hoping to carry a Desmond Ritter uh, or a Taylor Heineke, depending on how things go, um, to a playoff berth in a division that's pretty awful. But here's the thing. A check down game helps a guy who isn't a top five quarterback. And I'm not going to use the word elite. That gets controversial. But a guy who is newer at the craft and is not among the top positions isn't necessarily a pro bowler, right? Is a guy who needs to be able to check down and get out of trouble. Any quarterback technically needs a good check down guy. Patrick LeVon Mahomes II arguably uh, has Travis Kelsey's one of the best tight ends in the league, but I would not call him a check down guy. He's a freak athlete, separate question altogether. And frankly, him at age 33, I never pray for a player's decline, but I am definitely afraid of it for him. I'm sure we'll talk about that more as we start previewing the NFL divisions here coming up soon. But here's what I'm getting to. If you are a franchise that does not have their guy, right? You either have or or isn't sure if they have their guy, right? Maybe you're in a position 
where the Niners are now. You have no idea what the quarterback position is going to look like, be it now or last year, even in their case. If you are a team like the Philadelphia Eagles, who just drafted a guy that everybody's not sure about, like was the case with Jalen Hurts, okay? I'm on, listen, I have tape of me back, by the way, in terrestrial radio here in Orlando, uh, 98.5 uh, um, out there uh, with my guy Danny Thompson in Beyond the Buzzer, okay? I had a belief in Jalen Hurts. Granted, I didn't think he was going to make a Super Bowl so quickly in his career, but that's a whole other conversation. The punchline is, at the time, the Eagles didn't know what they had in Jalen Hurts. So if you have a quarterback like that who hasn't broken out yet, but his salary's still low, and you could still afford other weapons and get a little luxurious, air quotes, or you see a rookie that's all-purpose, like Atlanta did when they drafted that spot, right? It makes sense to lean on a guy like that or perhaps acquire in this in this offseason's case a Dalvin Cook maybe, something like that. I, I don't know necessarily that we have a situation that's this perfect that I should say totally Dalvin Cook should go here. That's something I would kind of need to examine a bit more. Maybe the Lions, if I knew their cap situation better is a consideration, but they drafted a guy too. I think they drafted Gibbs, so we're good there. But the running back position, like with the Giants, with Daniel Jones, now we have something. What are you talking about, Kyle? Great question, right? When they had Dan when they had Danny Dimes, they didn't know what he was. Last year that was the case. And Saquon, maybe the Giants could have made more noise if Saquon had stayed healthy more often. I, I, and that would serve this theory better, but if you have a quarterback who you're not sure about, what you do is surround him with good weapons, and one of those luxuries is an all-purpose, versatile running back that can do literally everything. And I'm not here to tell you that every single great running back is Christian McCaffrey, is Saquon Barkley, or any of that. But building something that's a stable base for a run game or concentrating on a run game, meaning you have a threat out of the backfield, is certainly a great option for you. It works so well, in fact, in some instances that the Philadelphia Eagles, not knowing what they had in Jalen Hurts, then opted to build up the protection and move inside out from the hash hashes. Now, doing that not only creates quarterback protection, but what else does it do? Inadvertently build up the run game. And as a matter of fact, as the Giants transitioned forward, going back to them real quick, where did their situation start running into the problems? When you started paying Danny Dimes like a franchise quarterback, you could have filled the gap with somebody else. Well, I think I hinted at it last week with Danielle Orsino. If Jimmy Garoppolo, for example, granted his issues are more about injury than talent, in my opinion, but let's stay on. If you have a quarterback like that uh, in New York, but you have Saquon Barkley to bail him out, the student of the game MVP from last season, he does enough to take the pressure off and bring a more balanced offense. You don't need elite quarterback play. The reason why Patrick LeVon Mahomes II has to have a good relationship with all the receivers and Travis Michael Kelsey is the running back core isn't what's to use what it used to be. There used to be a time where that entire core was unstoppable, unflappable. And now, not so much. But again, I'm not here to tell you that combination brings you a championship. I'm just here. It's a good idea to keep your team competitive if you're in patchwork. But then if you happen to be like the Eagles and build up a great 
running game. Granted, they didn't have Saquon Barkley on their team, or certainly nobody as good as Shady McCoy back when they were transitioning off of Donovan McNabb, Donovan McNabb and into Michael Vick, right? Another patchwork situation. They were still able to build something that ended up being a Super Bowl product, not taking away from the embarrassment of riches on defense that exists. But that was a situation where they took advantage of Jalen Hurts' contract being what it was, brought in a strong run game, not necessarily a big running back. Again, the salary concept there is, is less dynamic. But I'll tell you this, the reason why Brian Dable got the coach of the year over Doug Peterson, which is completely inaccurate, in my opinion, whole other question there. But the reason why that happened is because the Giants made the playoffs in a year where no one saw it coming. But who picked up a sl the slack? A fully healthy Saquon Barkley, who was trying to help that offense put Danny Dimes into a position where he did, although not earned in the, case, in the opinion of many Giants fans, where he did eventually earn that contract to get him to the to get him to the next level of payment so to speak to to pay him like a franchise guy now that may be where things start to break and why this theory i think holds they're paying danny dimes like he isn't or, or rather that he is a guy who doesn't need that extra support but the giants if they hope to do well need that case long of the short is this if you are a great quarterback you can get the bag, and you don't need to worry about necessarily the support from the backfield so much. If you have it in a younger guy, that's great. If you're a patchwork guy or a younger guy, you should probably have a veteran running back that's versatile. A Dalvin Cook type, for example, is the uh, best thing that comes to mind is someone who's currently available. Obviously, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, as the 49ers did last year and got to the NFC Championship game. Those are the guys that can fill the gap to keep the patchwork rolling to give you championship caliber play. I'm not expecting you to win a Super Bowl doing it that way, but let's just say it's the proof in the pudding that there's more than one way to skin a cat. Or then again, you could throw that all the window and just find Patrick LeVon Mahomes the second, because, you know, that grows on trees. But anyways, I could keep going with this whole situation, but I haven't seen this guy so long, it's driving me mad. So mad, in fact, that the madman cometh. Welcome in, Mark Mancini. How you doing? Buddy? Well, that was nice. You held the fort down on my uh, 37th wedding anniversary last week, bringing Danielle Orsino in. I say, don't give me the credit, Danielle. Came hey, in Danielle, I mean, you know, when, when I always said when God created women, the world was definitely complete. And if anybody wants to object to that, I don't know what book they read. <laughs> the wrong yeah. one, I guess. I don't yeah. know. But, but I will yeah, tell she, you, man. Brandon Howard held it down for you while you were enjoying your anniversary. I love you, know. man. This is a show that keeps kicking up steam each and every Wednesday, man. And I wanted, you know, Danielle and I were talking about moving the chains podcast earlier. But, boy, the NFL's trying to wipe the egg off their face after they got in bed with all these fan duel and gambling companies years ago when they claimed they didn't want to get in bed with these guys. Now they're trying to get their own guys under their own roof. We're going to see suspensions maybe doled out for, uh, you know, guys betting on teams. And and so I don't under, quite understand it all. Maybe you can clarify it. But didn't the NFL uh, open Pandora's box when they brought in guys like FanDuel and everything? Oh, and, and I'm, sure, I'm sure they know they did, Mark. I mean, but think about it. Even if the reason why the penalties are so stiff is because they don't want any doubt and listen you're asking the right question buddy they know they they knew it was a problem outright 
But we've had the conversation about the whole Pete Rose irony, yeah. by the way. I won't get yeah. into that right now. But yeah. yeah, the NFL, such that it is, saw this Pandora's box, was like, listen, guys, we can't fool around with this. We already have people out there alleging, jokingly, albeit that there's already scripted results out there. We can't even have you whiffing and breathing in the general direction of such activity. That being said, as somebody who covers the Jacksonville Jaguars, thanks to such uh, penalties, I'm looking forward to seeing Calvin Ridley in the Jaguars jersey. Anyway. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, exactly. You got, you know, but you know, it's 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 a head scratcher in, in in more ways than one because it reminds me almost like, well, we're gonna wait till the guy's drinking, gets behind the wheel, and kills somebody, and then we're gonna give him probation to kind of clean the sides of Highway 95 and some of these freeways, maybe the 101 out here. And oh, by the way, we're gonna educate him on gambling too. I mean, are we have we become reactive, or why aren't we proactive? The NFL's always been reactive, Mark, and and, yeah. and I've listen. I've stood by this since the the whole Ray Rice fiasco with domestic violence yeah. being a big thing, and, and 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 rightly so, it should have been a big been a big thing. The problem I've continued to have, though, Mark, is that the the public and the people at large. I don't normally get political on this podcast, yeah. but here we go, brother. The public at large. Spends entirely too much time asking for the NFL to do something when the yeah. NFL, particular to the Ray Rice case and, and, and other examples that we'll find, hit their punishment to match what our society said the punishment should be. If you got a problem with what's happening to a player or any of that, you don't go after the NFL. The problem's the damn system, and you need to get the lawmakers right and stop leaving a sports league alone to legislate your morality. That's not yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, we'll we'll throw Directv across the curb while we negotiate with YouTube. But oh, by the way, we're going to bring Directv back in the mix. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a whole other question, man. Yeah, yeah listen, I, I mean, listen, the the NFL is out for money. I don't think that's new, but the NFL is reactive. If the fans make enough noise and and sponsors, in particular, by extension, make enough noise, the NFL will react. As they bloody should. So, all right, yeah. yeah. Well, next week, and we got to get him on this show, the punter for the New Orleans Breakers of the USFL, Matt White. Nice. And let me tell you something. Uh, this USFL and XFL, they've done their homework. Mm-hmm. They're not going to take the NFL out, but they're going to build something where the NFL is going to kind of look. I love the replays. I love where they go to L.A. They want to get the calls right. This is a great league, my friend. And the Pittsburgh Maulers will win the uh, USFL championship come Saturday night. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Your fanhood aside, Mark, I can tell you this. The rules committee for the NFL had a lot of features from the XFL pitched in in what they wanted to talk over. The whole replay concept, kicking things to New York, um, the the new kickoff, even even though we we got this other craziness of, of fair catch and all this other crap the fair catch is now a touchback or it's all dumb um if they just do it like the xfl they would get the desired result in my opinion but that's a whole other question uh, yeah i don't know there's a question i want to bounce off you mark that kind yeah. of goes with my monologue if you're a team that knows you can't win a championship aren't you behooved to at least get a player in the building that can help you build and this isn't just about, let's say, 
like a uh you know like the Falcons drafting the running back that's the all-purpose athlete that's going to be great to help the you know their weak quarterback position but it also I think kind of plays to the whole Bradley's Beal or Chris Paul or Porzingis moves that happen in the NBA don't you at least want to make a step better I don't think anybody's supplanting the Chiefs and the Eagles currently although the AFC is a better um uh, well, I, 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 I don't see anyone supplanting the Nuggets either in the West. So, like, you, you tell me if you're. Well, you're look, having, you let me let me start with basketball first. Sure. And 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 the Nuggets. I don't want to disrespect the Nuggets, but it reminds me when the Lakers were running roughshod in the, in the '80s, and there was really no competition over there. The balance of power was in the East with the Bulls, the Pistons, the Celtics, the Sixers. That was the SEC. The West back then was the Big Sky Conference. Fair. Nobody knew they existed, and nobody was going to stay up late at night to watch it. So when now, when you look at you know who's going to supplant, you know uh, the the Chiefs or the uh, Eagles. Well, let me tell you something. The Jets ain't playing around here. Oh, you you know they them. they are starting to load up, and you know uh, Conklin basically said we got room for Dalvin Cook if he wants to come out here. The Jets mean business, and they haven't won anything since the Joe Namath era. I'm all in on these Jets. And, and believe me, being from Pittsburgh, I had a hard time figuring out on the map where New York was because I thought it was somewhere in the Atlantic growing up. But the, <laughs> the Jets the Jets are all in, my friend. And, and if, if Zach Wilson wants to date Vanderpump girls and all that, so be it. He'll be showing the door. But New York is really gonna lay out the they, they're gonna they're all in on this thing. They've pushed all their chips to the center of the table. Yeah. And it's not gonna be Kansas City and everybody else. It might be that way in, in, in the uh, NFC with Philly, but no way is it gonna be like that in the AFC. The right. Jets are gonna they're, they're gonna take it by storm, I think. It was, and the Bengals with the Jaguars the, as well. And there's the Jaguars a lot are teams. trending up too, definitely. Yeah. I I don't think they did enough on defense to be um a championship threat yet, but I, I, they're going to return the playoffs. I feel confident in that, especially considering their schedule. Um, but yeah, it, it, you still got the, 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 the Bengals, obviously the bills, although they're on the decline, I think are still dangerous or allegedly I'll put in air quotes on the decline, right? You were yeah. hearing about them falling apart and somewhat. I, I, I agree with some of it. I'll say um, the Bengals though, are, are, I think are in a well, good position. All and that. I think, I think that, you know, when you look at it, Kyle, and your experience and knowledge is second to none, I think that you become the hunter and now you're the hunted, the Kansas city chiefs are the hunted. I it mean, happened for teams, a while, right? Yeah. Well, I think more than ever now in this season, the 2023 season, legitimately there's about 10, 11 teams in that AFC that know they can at least play or if not beat the, the Kansas city chiefs. And I'm, Pretty sure some of these teams, maybe four or five of them, think they can just go in there and steamroll them. I'll say this, and this is the one thing I am super worried about when it comes to the Chiefs. Travis Michael Kelsey is 33, oldest among skilled players with his number of receptions and, and production in an offense. And playing, by the way, what I would certainly argue in many surveys of uh, a bit of scientific research, I wish I could source it. I don't remember what the study was, but it's pretty old at this Underpaid. Point. Not just underpaid, um, though that's a whole other conversation. He's allegedly saying through his agent, hey, can I get a little bit more? I don't think that's unreasonable, especially considering he's going to be on his last. If he's not on his long, long, last contract already, he's pretty close to it. Um, but he's 33 is the point. Like... I he's got one has to think he's going to take a few slower steps upcoming, right? 
So if that starts to happen, as great as I believe Patrick LeVon Mahomes the second is, I wonder what that does to the Chiefs. Listen, even Brady needed Gronk. Well, no. and if you're if you're looking at two of these teams trying to get back to the promised land, I think it's a, a far going conclusion that the Eagles have a better chance to get to the Super Bowl than the Chiefs do. Oh, the past considering the the, the, the teams that are going to be standing in their way because. If you go through that AFC, you you might find three teams maybe that legitimately can't get there, but they're going to, you know, I told you this before and I'll tell you again, you're going to have 11 game winners in the AFC sitting home in the playoffs. I, I'm not prepared to rule that out yet. I haven't done my research, although that's coming very soon in the next couple of weeks here, we will begin yeah. our uh, divisional previews, which I need to talk to you about how we're going to do that. Yeah. But, um, I'll do it. Cool. I'm ready to go. Um, I'll say this: the 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 AFC is obviously superior. Um, the NFC is obviously inferior in overall team makeup. Let's go to the NBA for a minute, because in the West, and I know I touched on it, I don't see anybody competing with the Nuggets yet, and I haven't had a chance to talk to you about this because you were celebrating last week. Are you in that building? Because that's where I live right now. Well, I, I, I think everybody looks at Jokic and Murray, but the, the, the pieces that you need on any winning team to keep uh, making it, you know, Pat Riley always used to say, and you can quote me on this, you know, you're a nobody, and then you become a somebody. Then you become a uh, contender, division champ, world champ, and then you're a dynasty. I don't. I don't think you. you've said that on this show before, my friend. Yeah, and I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you can win. You know, everybody looks at you know two guys, and they keep talking about two guys. The Denver Nuggets don't win a championship without Porter, without Cantavius Caldwell Pope, and you better figure out a way to sign those guys if you want this so-called dynasty. But I don't, I don't think there, it is because I think I said, I didn't say honestly, get, I'm just talking repeat right now. Right, Let's, right. I don't, I don't know if you can repeat because I know Vegas usually runs to the podium on this. Whoever <laughs> wins it, you know, they're the favorite next year. But I don't, I don't think. I think you got to take the blinders off in some ways because the league starts to get better on you in a hurry. People make the, uh, you know, the comparisons and, and stuff like this, but they make the adjustments. That's I think true. you need to make teams make the adjustments in how to beat you. Boston's going to have something to say about this. Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Miami, and we haven't seen the uh, the frenzy with the offseason moves yet. Who knows? Damian Lillard can end up in Miami. That could be the missing piece that puts you over the hump. That would be interesting. I, I've also yeah, heard talk but, about Lillard going to Milwaukee. Which if that happens, yeah, that ooh. oh wow. So you no. you got you got some pieces here, but. I think it's a nice story. It, 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 is Denver the best, you know, world champion team out there? Are they comparable with some of the teams of the past? I, I'm not. I'm not. You know, saying that because I've seen the Philadelphias with Moses Malone. I've seen the Celtics with Bird. I've seen the Lakers with Magic, Kareem. I've seen the Warriors with Curry come back. I've seen some of these teams do it. I I don't know where I put Denver. They're not in my top ten of all time teams. I will tell you that. Oh, yeah. If we're going all time, listen, man, maybe that's what we talk about next week. I don't know. But for right now in the West, like I'm hard pressed, man. Listen, and and, and there's not many big guys 
that that are Jokic esque, you know, that can necessarily compete in terms of production and and you know defensive presence, right? I'll give Anthony Davis credit with the Lakers. The problem with them is LeBron's age, obviously. You know, I I just I don't believe they have the complete product. Uh, well, and, and I will tell you this. When I look at Embiid and Jokic, and people will say Jokic has got a title and all this, but if you if you laid it out for me, and I and you know me, I'm very consistent across the board on the shows. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm taking Embiid any day of the week, and I think the perfect fit for Draymond Green would be in Philly. That's a grit. That's a lunch pail mentality in Philadelphia. You get Draymond Green and Philly teamed up with Embiid, man, watch out. Yeah, but then they wouldn't have enough presence, uh, you know, the, the enough of the uh, shooting presence there. I think you're kind of overkill at one. Now, in the 90s, that might work, right? Because in that mindset, I mean, you're talking about, at that point, you're talking about David Robinson and uh, Dennis Rodman, right? You know, right. that kind of a pairing. Well, and not only that, you know, even comparisons, people tell me, uh, you know, uh, Connor McDavid, and I'm saying, give me, you know, uh, Matthews from Toronto any day of the week because I'm looking at the conferences. You right. put a Connor McDavid in, in the East, the, the Capitals, the Penguins, the Bruins, the Hurricanes, the Pan these teams are beating you up. They're, they're, they're playing physical hockey on you. I think the same thing. You put Jokic in Philadelphia, I think he's a different man. I think they, they, they stand here and they, you know, soften him up a little, kind of like the Pistons did in the old heyday with Bill Lambert. I think in, in the West, it's more of a passive game. I don't want to disrespect it because I know I'll probably get some hate mail coming out of Denver now. Well, I mean, and, the Warriors have been dominant for long, and the Kings came yeah, out. Yeah. There's your support. I get but, you. But, but, but they've done it on a consistent basis. i got to see right. if Denver can. But I will tell you, I, I think the East is a little more physical. They, they, they knock right. you around a little more. And and you you know you you carry those welts around for a couple days. I think <laughs> I, I think the East is more of a suited for three point shooting stuff like that, where you you get banged around in the East. I mean, more yeah, or West, less. I agree with that. The West, we'll say the West is more of a finesse game. How about yeah, that's about good. That? Which, which is why Jokic can dominate like that. Is he can be he he has finesse. He can chuck it from the cheat seats. He can throw for assists. I cited he he passes the ball like Vlade Divas used to. You know, th there's a dang old '90s drop for you, right? Um, but you know. out east they got they got Embiid, they got um, Giannis. There's there there's more physicality there. And oh by the way, Bam Adebayo, not bad at his job. You know, no, you got you got Jimmy Butler, and let me tell you something. You you can take Jamal Murray any day of the week. I'm taking Jimmy Butler. That guy, that guy's a gamer. You know, but no, no no disrespect to Murray. They won the title. No sour grades here. But you know, when Butler, when a Drew Holiday, when a Damian Lillard won out of your franchise, they they know exactly what they're talking about. There's something wrong, and I think Lillard is seeing it in Portland. He wants to move on. He goes to Miami. He goes to Milwaukee. I mean, watch out. Well, and, and I'll say this. Like, I don't think anybody thinks that Murray is Butler-esque, all right? That, that, I don't think that argument's being made. And I think that you shift the difference in talent between Jimmy Butler and, and Jamal Murray, and you have that same gap in difference between Bam Adebayo and – uh, uh, Nikola Jokic. So it kind of balances out, which is why, at least on paper, if those guys were to play two on two, that would be fun to watch. 
you know, unfortunately, you know, Miami uh, had a bunch of undrafted players and an injured Tyler Hero, so they were incomplete, which is why the Dame Lillard thing is interesting. You know, yeah. I, and when I, you look at it, Embiid, and, and what people don't realize, that Embiid plays a game like Moses Malone. Um, you, you look at, you know, uh, I'll, I'll uh, say this: you're you're an Embiid guy. Here's where I will agree with Embiid as the MVP, because a lot of people after Jokic, you know, did what he did in the playoffs and all this. Well, I guess he should have been the MVP. No, he shouldn't. And you know whose fault that is, Mark uh, Mark Mans. I was about to call you Mark Moses, Mark Mancini. That is Ben Simmons' fault. All right. that drama that took place thanks to him in Philly and the whole situation, the thing that got um, um, Harden brought into the franchise in the first place, would disable and derail other franchises. But Joel Embiid was that leader, not just on the floor, but off of it to lead that team right. And that's what I think was kind of the equalizer, the, the tiebreaker, if you will, that that gate got him the regular season award. Right. Now, obviously we see why Jokic's got the um, finals MVP. You know, I don't think there's any dispute there, but let me, let, let me ask you this, Mark, if, if Giannis didn't get hurt and, and I know this is an older question, but you know, you had to wake yeah. up and I, I really want to hear you on this. Cause you were a, your Milwaukee bucks. You and I were both all about them. Listen, I was on the Giannis train too. And yeah. then he got hurt. And, and, and I think even if he was healthy, uh, the Heat would have made a good showing and made it a six or seven ser game series anyway, right? Right. But let's say the Bucks take care of business in round one and all that goes and, and whatever, and then they make it to the finals and play Jokic. The only way that Jokic would be the undisputed best player in the NBA right now is if he had won that final series over the Bucks. Do you agree? I agree with you on that. I definitely agree. And, and not only that, I think what, what you look in the playoffs is – what people don't understand is Miami, they go, well, lost to Denver. But look at the level of competition Denver had to go through to win this thing. Uh, uh, they, they beat up a, 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 a team that started, I think it was, what was it? Uh, in the first round, was it? Oh, the, the Nuggets was the Timberwolves. Timberwolves were the first team. So they, 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 they and Minnesota is trying to find themselves on the map. And then they, then they, then they came out of that, and then they beat a Phoenix team that was in disarray. You know, they didn't really know what what team the field there. You know, moving. Didn't have time to find the chemistry. Yeah, yeah. A Laker team that overachieved, pretty much that was worn out. That had, you know, it was Gladys Knight in the pits. If you looked at it in more ways than one, I'll say this for a group that got swept. Those games, all four of those games, were pretty damn close, Mark. Yeah, it, it, but it, but but when you, when you look at what Denver had to go through, I like to get in trenches. I like to get into the competition, and people make a big thing of it. Well, these guys dominated, and Murray and this is the best combination, and everybody starts tripping over their heels. Right. I don't bring controversy as much as I'm bringing facts and truth to a matter. Uh -huh. And that's the thing, what we're bringing here. Miami had to take out a Milwaukee team. Yeah, you could say it was depleted, but it was the best regular season team out there across the board. Then they then they got a breather with the Knicks because that was an afterthought. But then to go up against the Boston team, the second best team, and then to be dead tired playing a, a, a Denver team that was pretty much well-rested, I think Miami had showcased a lot. And if, if these teams play 10 times, I'm going to tell you right now, I think Miami beats them seven out of 10. Oh, I'm not well rested. 
I'm about seven yeah, out I'm, of ten. I'm, 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 you know, and it's just like the comparisons with Embiid and Jokic. You you put Embiid in Denver, I don't think he misses a beat. You put Jokic in Philly, he's gonna get softened up by some of these guys across. The, you got you got Vucevic in Chicago. You got you got you know Vucevic. Yeah, I yeah. Well, you got Miami that plays that right. style. Yeah. Uh, Boston will bang you around. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of teams. You don't have that where he can, you know, I'm not saying he could take a breather now and then. He doesn't have the level of competition. That's why when you looked at the Matumbos back then in the day, you know, and, and some of those guys, the Parishes, the Moses Malones, you know, these guys were getting beat up on a daily basis. I'll say this, and and, and I think this is the part that lends Jokic to get beat on less and therefore have fewer less time injured than Embiid has. Right. Like, cause me, and, and I'm obviously wrong about it now I could say in hindsight, but like three years ago, I said that Philly should ship Embiid because Embiid can't stay on the floor. Whoops. That was dumb. But fortunately I didn't say it on a podcast. Right. Like now. Right. But, <laughs> but uh, I say all that to say, I think the reason why Joker takes less of a beating is because of his his court vision and assists. He averages more than double, if I remember correctly, assists over Embiid, right? I think in, in order for Embiid to, to have the same production in Denver that you're talking about, he would need to be that distributor. He, he would obviously draw the double teams and all that because he's a talented dude, I have no question, and the size in the West is different. It, it compels them to double team. Would he have that vision to kick it out and 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 make the guys around him prolific. I'm not saying it's not there, Mark. I'm saying that's something he would have to have in his game. Well, I think when you, if you looked at the 80 Lakers or the 82 Lakers, I think they sweep Denver in four. I think oh, with Kareem wow. Abdul-Jabbar, Magic, Worthy, they, yeah, I, I don't. I think they just run them out out of the building. Sure, and, and if an eighth grader tries to fight me, I could beat him up too, Mark. What, <laughs> what are we talking about right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, and well, I mean that, we, and we can get into comparisons with you know where we rate Denver as a world champion, you know, on the pecking order. Mm -hmm. I just don't, I, I don't think I got to see more of them. Uh, I got Golden State a little higher because what they've done is, is, is win titles, take a year off and then, you know, win more titles. So I think Golden State is a lot higher than Denver. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of these one. And then where are you, what have you done for me lately? I've seen a lot of those teams come through the grapevine. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. there was an error there when, like, you, you, um, where the Raptors kind of, uh, uh, yeah, mercenary. where have you gone? What have you done for me lately? Right. You, you know. know, the Raptors mercenary there. Your, your Golden State Warriors that you mentioned kind of did that too, bringing in KD, right? You know, right. Uh, there's that, that's, that's something that happened for a short stint of time there. Um, no, you're, you're right about that. There's a certain fun in it. I'll put it this way I liked that better than. Well, the Warriors are going to win it again. Why am I watching the regular season? That's not as fun for me, you know. Well, yeah, you got you see the some of the fans are like the the, the armchair quarterbacks are going to well they want it. I got to go buy a hat. This team's going to win it next year, and then when they fall by the wayside, oh well, I got to go get another hat. There's another title. I mean, stick with right. a winner here. Everybody's tripping over their heels. It's a nice story in Denver. I don't want to disrespect it. I like John Denver too, but <laughs> you know if this team's coming back to win another title. Oh well, I'm not buying the uh, you know the coffee and the cream and the sugar just yet. I'll tell you this: I'll put some sunshine on your shoulder, John Denver fan. Okay, <laughs> if there's going to be a Warriors jersey purchased by me, it's going to be Chris Mullen. There you go. 
Um, did you want to talk a little bit about your Marlins there? What's going on in the MLB, buddy? Yeah, they, they took uh, care of my Pirates winning three out of four, but we're taking care of the Padres tonight. We're about ready to win us two in a row on San Diego, and everybody's laughing, but we'll find out next week. The Pirates are out here for four in Los Angeles, so I'll probably be covering a couple of them. What's the most surprising thing you see going on in the big leagues right now, buddy? Well, I will tell you this. I'm a big – not so much the big leagues. And I, I, I lived up to my time frame with the world's worst handicapper, with Kip Gross. I thought uh, – <laughs> Florida, the Gators were going to win the uh, College World Series. They came up short, but let me tell you, yeah, they 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 should have put them away in the first game. They came back, smashed them twenty four to four. The juice ran out in the you know the last game, but Dylan Cruz is going to Pittsburgh, man. We got the the number one pick two of the last three years, man. Got- I can see Dylan Cruz fitting in Pittsburgh. You got these two two teams in the in the in the SEC there. Yeah, the oh, haymakers in each other. Yeah. Five different teams have won the SEC title in college baseball last five years. You talk about total dominance. You talk about owning a sport. Let me tell you, things run in threes. College football, college baseball, and the best women. Oh, my wife's not listening. Well, of course you were saying that, that 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 you know, it being the anniversary last week that she. Yeah, yeah. I'm I was going to look over my left shoulder. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. I got you. Oh, man. Listen, I'll say this as we get closer to college season and with UCF uh, transitioning to the, the Big 12, I can guarantee you, you and I will be talking plenty with all the attention I will pay it. Oh, my yeah. time with the black and gold banneret. Bing! Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I can't wait till next week, brother, man. Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a great time. And uh, we'll have a fuller docket next week. Uh, but yeah, you're now, doing you're you're out there doing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I'll be, yeah. I'll, I'm just finding out that I might be going out to the Cowboys training camp out here. Oh, nice. Okay, Oxnard, so we got to compare notes. I I like the sound of it. Maybe maybe we'll actually see a lot more. You know, running carries. They, I see this. This is this is why I need your insight because if they're doing a lot of work with the running game and getting Pollard hey. involved, I'm gonna take that bet that Dak has fewer interceptions than the under this year. Let, let me tell you, just before I let you go, should I show up with, you know, like a Redskin jersey on? or so, uh, If they say anything, I could I could tell them, hey, listen, well, I'm getting ready for the Thanksgiving Day game in Dallas. That's all. I'll put it this way. So long as it's a tear away, I'll let you wear all the red tails. I mean, commander's gear that you want. About that. <laughs> Mark Anthony, tell the people where you can be found, my man. Uh, WWDBAM860 out of Philadelphia, uh, Fridays, Pittsburgh Pirate Podcast, Derek Brock, uh, live from Pittsburgh with the Brewers coming to town. Also, right after that, Alex Berg and the Giants, they'll be in New York playing the Mets. XM show, man, Sirius 217. I love it. I love this show on Wednesdays. I'm so blessed. And man, oh man, I want to just uh, give a shout out to Ralph Williams. Got a big gig out there in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Doing radio, man. Unbelievable. I like it. Brother, until next time, man, we'll talk soon. I love you, brother. You're the guy that sweeps it on Wednesdays. Talk to you next week. (laughs) Be cool, Mark. And, of course, that'll do it for the show tonight. Of course, I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game. You can find me on Twitter at BSOTG. Find me on Instagram. That's the same, BSOTG. Check out my writings with the black and gold banneret and the three-point conversion, as well as my work with A7BN Sports, doing a lot of good stuff, whether it be through the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Orlando Guardians, or the XFL, 
or just a lot of fun times too. Perhaps some other NBA content coming soon. Anyways, love doing the show once again, and we'll see you guys next week. But until next time, everybody, it's time for me to say class dismissed. <laughs>